Anyway, we're in the middle of the Haggadah. And uh, what we did last week, of course, once we established that Leil uh, HaSeder, there's a halacha of uh, learning Torah, then once it has to be a halacha of learning Torah, it has to be B'Torah Shebechtab and Torah Shebaal Once you get involved with learning Torah Shebaal so the Kiyam is different. It's unlike any other mitzvah where every other mitzvah, if you do it, you do it. If you don't do it, you don't do it. When it comes to learning Torah, no two people are alike. And that explains uh, the, the uh, part of the Haggadah where it talks about Kulonu Chachamim, Kulonu Nevonim, Kulonu Skenim, Kulonu Yodim, et Kala Torah Kula, and then it goes on to tell the story of the different Chachamim. And as the Rav explained, that Pasuk is based upon Chachma Bina Vadat. We spent the first part of last year analyzing different examples of Chachma, Bina, and Dat. Chachma, I would say, the classic example is uh, Raphaim Salavechik. That's the ultimate, Raphaim Briska. Bina, to a certain degree, you have right here in the Y, you call it Raphaim Lichtenstein, the ability to take Rishonim uh, and uh, to uh, the ability to take Rishonim, the ability to take Rishonim and to uh, to organize them, to put them into place, and uh, to take difficult sugis, like I showed uh, Jack yesterday, the two that come up from Lichtenstein, one in Kudshim, one in Tarot, is the ability to take all these difficult concepts and put it together, shlav by shlav, so that you can start to comprehend what's happening here. And what Rabarin does, you see, it's been done before, but it's been done before on very elementary levels. What Rabarin does here is he puts together Sugyas and Kajshim Vitarit and analyzes it and puts down the basics, but he puts it down in a way that you already can understand the Rishonim and the basic Psak and the principles, and this is Bina. That, of course, is uh, the ability to Lipsok Halachala Maisa. And uh, this is given to a few. In every generation, you have those individuals that have this unbelievable ability to take the conceptual and apply it halach lamaisa. The Rav, of course, gave the example of Rabbi Yitzchokhan and Specta. I think in our generation, you take, for instance, the Shmirat Shabbat Kehilchata. I would say that the Shmirat Shabbat Kehilchata gave birth to an entire generation of Svarim halach lamaisa, how to write them and how to be post-sake, and how to put footnotes in. And you can actually trace an entire generation of Sfarim that have followed the example of the Shmir Shabbat Gehilchata. But there's no question that this shows a certain ability to take halacha, kamar halacha lamaisa, deal with it in a level that Rovam Yisrael can understand. Of course, if you talk in terms of a post-sake mufak of our generation, there's no doubt in mind that Rav Avadya Yosef carries the day that as far as uh, the ability to take all the knowledge and, and reach halach lamaisa, reach decisions, uh, in my humble opinion, Rabbi Vadya Yosef carries the day. This, of course, was Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, and this is that third type of ability that the Reb spoke about. Now, what's fascinating is he says that when you speak in terms of the different names of the Haggadah and all the Chachamim, so he compared it to the Gemara and Gittin, where the Chachamim are listed out, and here, too, it's the same concept that each one in accordance with his abilities. Now we come to the Baruch HaMokim Baruch Hu, Baruch Shnathim Torah Lamo Yisrael, and that's going to be the heart of today's Shia, Kenegad Abar Barnim Divrat Torah. So first of all, we got involved with the question, why do we use the word Baruch HaMokim? 
If after all, in the Haggadah, we see time and again, Vakadish Baruchu Matzileinu Miyadam. And here, Baruch HaMakam, that's the word we use instead of, uh, uh, instead of Akadish Baruchu. And uh, there's only one other place in Haggadah the Rav mentioned, where we speak about Mitchil of Deyavodazara, there too we use the word Hamakam. So why Hamakam? Now I think it was Danny Yalkut mentioned in class that uh, when we speak about it at the Hakdama Tadayenu. Now the Rev did mention it, but I'll come back to it later today and I'll show you that it's uh, constant with his, what he's going to present. Now we ended off last week. What's the difference between a Kaddish Baruch Hu Makam? And we said it's based upon two different psukim, one in Yeshayahu, one in uh, Yecheskel, uh, Kadosh, 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 Hashem Svakot, Melokalotz Kavodo, that of course is Kedusha, that is Yeshayahu, Yecheskel is Baruch Kvod Hashem Mim Komo, and that is the next Pasuk in Kedusha. And what's the difference in between them? And uh, the Rav quoted the Gemara Chagig, a famous Gemara, that really Yecheskel and Yeshayahu were equal in the level of Nevuah they saw. So why is, um, why is Yecheskel's Nevuah, his vision of God, so overwhelming? It's the ultimate vision. Until today, Mekubalim try to understand what that vision is about with the Merkavar and the Hashmal, etc., and the Gemara says something fascinating that uh, that Yeshaya Navi was like uh, was like a uh, I'll, I'll quote the Gemara Cheskel uh, ben and ben that I grew up in New York City so we have an expression in English if you're from out of town we have the expression you're a hick and what's the difference someone who grew up in New York City you you don't realize it till you take I remember when I took my grandchildren to Manhattan their first impression was how tall the buildings are. Someone who grew up there is not overwhelmed. You grew up, and it's true, I've never yet seen a city with so many tall buildings as New York City. In other words, there are cities, every, every city has a downtown. Los Angeles has a downtown. Toronto has a downtown. Chicago has a downtown. But when you talk in terms of large buildings, you talk in terms of miles and miles and miles of Manhattan, buildings uh, 30, 40, 50, 60, stories, a hundred stories, and you're talking one after another, uh, one after another. You take the west side of New York where you have endless, endless blocks, and these are already uh, residential areas. Downtown Manhattan, of course, is, is, is uh, business areas. Uh, Wall Street, you call it the uh, caverns of the west side. You really feel you're like in a cavern because on both sides you are endless, endless buildings, residential areas, etc., so uh, someone who grew up there is not overwhelmed. Take it for granted. No big deal. Someone who did not grow up there, his eyes are popping. So that's what the Gemara says. That Yeshayahu was accustomed to seeing a Kaddish Baruch Hu. So when he saw this tremendous vision of the Kisei covered of the Merkavah, he was not overwhelmed. He didn't faint. Yecheskel, who was not accustomed to this, when he saw the vision, he fainted. And the Rav explained, that's where we ended off the Shia last week, what does this mean? And the Rav said so beautifully, because Yecheskel saw HaKadosh Baruch Hu through the Gola. When you're in the Gola, it's bitter. You, you, life, life is not great. I see I did this uh, microphone here, this microphone holder is falling apart. And I see I don't have a solution. Okay. 
you have a, you have a, when when uh, Yecheskel spoke Mitocha Gola, he was so overwhelmed, so depressed. Life was so bitter. The Jewish in the in in the diaspora, and suddenly he sees Hakadosh Baruch Hu, It's like walking along for the sake of argument in Beersheba, and suddenly seeing a hundred and two story building. That you'd be overwhelmed, you'd be shocked, you'd be amazed. So that was Yecheskel. Yeshayahu, on the other hand, was not Patoch HaGolah. He lived yet at a time when there was Jewish sovereignty, when there was Jewish dignity, when there was Jewish power, when there was a tremendous army, when there was Zeichet and Nisim Vineflot on the battlefield. And that's why he was not overwhelmed by Kaddish Baruch Hu. He saw Maisa Nisim. He saw God's presence all the time. And that's the way the Rav explained the Gemara. Okay? Now let's go, now let's go further. Now watch what the Rav does. And I have to say, this is Dashanut now, but it's a beautiful Dashanut. And the Rav says, now we can understand. And this, of course, is why we say when someone is sitting Shivalo Aleinu, we say, Hamakum Yenachim Otcha. You're not going to say the Rebunish Lein Vod Baruch because Hamakum is used, it's a symbolism for difficulty, for tsar, for sorrow, for distance. Hamakum Yenachim Otcha. Baruch Kvot Hashem Bimkomo. When God's glory resides in His place, it's not kadosh, 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 shantol, So this is beautiful, and this is what the Rav said. And now, and now, watch what the Rav does. Let's look at the Haggadah now. Where do we pick up in the Haggadah, Hamakam? Mitchila ovei avodazarach ayu avatein vachshetun hamakam lavadotau. Now, what is it talking about? This whole Keter in the Haggadah is talking about God promises us, Eretz Kanan. He promises, this is the Britnam Havot, the Avram Avinu, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. And he makes this promise, he makes this commitment. And all of you know, I, I, I don't want to get involved here, but it's just in parentheses, I just want to show you something fascinating. There's a famous Prashat Rachim of the Baal Mishnah Lamelech. That's, uh, I believe it's 22 drashot. And in the first drasha, he deals with a problem. Who was a Jew? Was Avram Avinu a Jew? Or was Moshe Rabbeinu a Jew? Why was there a need for two covenants? What's happening here? And if Avram Avinu was a Jew, then why do you need a Krita Tavrit with Moshe Rabbeinu? Bizman Matan Torah. And if we only become Jews with the Krita Tavrit, Bizman Matan Torah, then... What is the result? You mean Avram Avinu, Yitzhak Avinu, Yaakov Avinu were not Jewish? And this is the problem that uh, Rabbi Yehuda Razans raises in this first drasha. I want to leave off now because it's a long drasha. There's a lot to be said. But one thing is certain, that the concept of Eretz Yisrael begins with Avram Avinu. Lech lecha miyatzcha milotcha, mibeit avicha, lecha and the whole Brit Bain Habatarim. And everything is promised to Avram Avinu. And look what happens. Esav is promised Haseir. What does the Baal Haggadah say? V'yeitain le'esav et Haseir l'reshet oto v'yakav al-banav yadum What an interesting concept. Esav is promised Haseir. He gets it immediately. Immediately. No problems. No difficulty. 
no heartache, no sorrow, no sweat, no sacrifice, no army, no fight, nothing. And Yaakov Ubanov, Yehdu Mitzrayma. They are promised Eretz Canaan. Look what happens to them. They have to leave Eretz Canaan. They're driven out. They go into the Golan. They go into diaspora. They suffer. 210 years they suffer. They have to come back and go into the desert and another 40 years and until they finally get Eretz Yisrael. Look at the difference. Look what the Baal Haggadah is trying to say. And Esav has it so easy. God promises it. God gives it to him. No problem whatsoever. So the rub explains so beautifully. You see, when it comes to Eretz Yisrael, whenever you're dealing with Eretz Yisrael, you can't use a makam. You, you can't use HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You have to use HaMakam. God made a promise to us. It should have been so easy. It should have been so logical. Esav got Eretz Seir. Yaakov has to get Eretz Canaan. No, it didn't come about that way. For us, it came about in Labrio, tremendous sorrow, struggle, diaspora, suffering. It was endless. Hamakum, we can't understand it. God was distant. So much blood was shed. And look, just this morning, in Hebron, there was a shooting. They already said, Lower Lane, one woman was seriously injured. Generally, that's a cold word that... Uh, they should, let's hope they can help. This morning, nothing has changed. Chavra. What well, we've gone through, I read last night Jitz Rubin, a review of a book. Someone put out a book, uh, a, 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 a discussion with Jitz, not Jitz Rubin, Jitz Greenberg. It's a Gadol Hadar today. He talks about how can God expect us to keep Israel? He gave us the Holocaust. We have to give away half the land to the Arabs. We have to share. I mean, it's unbelievable. These amounts that studied Torah, amounts that studied Pashat Lech Lecha, amounts that grew up in Beis Yosef from Borough Park. It's unbelievable the way Jews speak, the way Jews talk, the way, the, what has happened to the Jewish people, what has happened to the Jewish mind. It's just unbelievable. It's hamakam. can't talk about Kaddish Baruch How can you talk about Kaddish Baruch Understand? It's unbelievable. I'll tell you, one of, one of the, you, you fellas are youngsters, but when you were in diapers, an incident happened in a lunch food that anyone who was there still remembers it until today. Still remembers it. It was right after the Yom Kippur War. And Rabbi Lichtenstein, of course, was developing or publicizing theories that were within him of dovishness and compromise. I personally don't believe he realized how far it would go with those theories, but that's my own, my, my own feeling. So there was a Sikha Shabbos afternoon in the yeshiva and, and the student asked Rabbi Lichtenstein, uh, what about the gush? You talk about compromise and peace and land. So Rabbi said, uh, if need be, we have to give it up. So a student asked, what will we do? So Rabbi said, we'll go back to Yerushalayim. So a student yelled out from the audience, Lama Yerushalayim, Lama Lonach Zolobrisk. And in that little exchange, you have the entire story of our generation. And it's a tragic story until today. Hamakom. Jack showed me a psak from a rav that you're not allowed to go to Hebron, to Daven in, in, in Marat Mechpelah. I quote, I don't know who the rav is, but this is what he paskin, that it's a suffix, a konat nefasha, to go Daven in a mosque, there's no chiyav. 
And that's the way he paskin. And it's just amazing. Hamakom, this is what the Rav said here. Magnificent. That it should have been so logical and so easy. And and why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu do it in such a difficult fashion? Why did Esav get away so easily? Why did the Jews suffer so much and suffer so much? And this is Hamakam. And the Rav said so beautifully, this is the Baal Haggadah. He says right afterwards, Baruch Shomer Haftachatoli Yisrael. That, that we cannot just, we, we need to remind ourselves, there's a Haftachah, there's a promise. It's going to be difficult, it's going to be hard, it's going to be a struggle, it's going to be death, it's going to be sacrifice. But there's a promise, don't forget the promise, that Hamakam promised us, Baruch Shomer Haftachatol the Yisrael. So that's why we have Hamakam in that Keter. And the same thing the Rav said. Not just uh, with Bechirat Avram Avinu. And that comes back to what I said before. Bechirat Avram Avinu was on Erich Israel. See, this is for certain. That the Kritat Brit with Avram Avinu is not a Kritat Brit of Shmirat Torah Mitzvah. The concept of Tayag Mitzvah does not yet play a role with Avram Avinu in an obligatory fashion. I'm aware, Chazal Savram came at Kanat Torah Kula. But it was not an obligatory. I have a lot to say. You look into the Prashat Rachim, I can't, I don't want to go off track now. But there's one thing for certain. That the heart of the Kritat Brit with Avram Avinu, the heart of the covenant, was a covenant that focused or centered on Eretz Yisrael. So when it comes to Eretz Yisrael, Hamakum is the word we have to use at Bid Mashiach because it's been one long story of difficulty, sacrifice. At times we can't understand it, and even our own finest Jews are washed away by this type of thinking. They can't deal with it. They they lose track of the haftacha. But look how beautifully the Rebs explains every word in the Haggadah that you then continue that to remind yourself because it is so difficult. Baruch Shemeh Haftachat Holy Yisrael. Now, the Kritat Brit that comes afterwards with Am Yisrael, the Kritat Brit to Bnei Yisrael, the Kritat Brit where we have to observe Torah, what I would call the Kritat Britat with Moshe Rabbeinu, there already you have to use Hamakam as well. Baruch Hamakam, Baruch Hu, Baruch Shenatan Torah, Lamo Yisrael. Why? Why do you have to use Hamakam there? Because logically speaking, it should have been so easy for the Jew. God gave you a Torah. God revealed Himself. God gave you such a beautiful blueprint for life. Such an elevating blueprint. Think for a moment, people who don't have Torah, what their lives are like. They're no different than the animal kingdom. We should be so happy and so overjoyed that we received the Torah. And here, look what's happened over our history. Number one, within the Jewish people. Whenever there was freedom of choice, there was constantly a struggle. Do we observe Torah? Don't we observe Torah? Think how many tens of millions of Jews left the path of Torah over the last two millenniums. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. Why do you do it? Why do you leave? How can you depart? But not only that, look at the way the Gentiles persecuted us. What do they have against us? Why do they torture us so much? Why are they so jealous of us? 
Well, why did they constantly kill us? Why were we constantly martyrs? Why did we constantly suffer? Why is there so much hatred and enmity for the Jew? And it continues until today. I mean, it's just overwhelming. We Here we are in the year 2000. And how much has changed? How much has changed? Why? It's against all logic. But the Rav said, this was the destiny of the Jew. This was our shikmazel. And this is why when it comes to Bechirat Yisrael, the Shmirat Tovra Mitzvah, not only Bechirat Yisrael, Farad Yisrael, we have to say, Baruch HaMakom, Baruch Shinatan Yisrael. Because the minute we accepted that Torah, we have paid a very heavy price, blood and sacrifice and difficulty and anguish and sorrow, and it has never been an easy path. And this is why Hamakam is used by the Baal Haggadah in those two instances. Because it resembles the Hamakam of Yecheskel Hanavi, it resembles the Makam of a Beta Avel. Now, let me come to what the student asked me a few, a number of years ago, uh, and what, the, or what I believe it was Dana Yalkut asked last week, where else do we say Hamakam? When we speak about the uh, Dayenu, what do we say? In the, in, in the introduction to Dayenu. But now it's obvious. Why do we say Hamakam? Because what's Dayenu talking about? Dayenu's talking about Kritat Britat, Eretz Yisrael, Matan Torah, Shmirat Mitzvah. Dayenu was talking about all the concepts that we have just mentioned. One after another. Those are the concepts. Once you're involved with those concepts, then of course, it has to be Hamakam. Wherever you're dealing with Kritot Brit, wherever you're dealing with Eretz Yisrael, wherever you're dealing with Shmir Tovah Mitzvah, wherever you're dealing with Lima Torah, Hamakam is the appropriate word to use. And this is the way the Rav explained those two uh, usages of Hamakam. And I would add on that the third time as well. I don't know why he didn't mention it. It could be that Tayenu is not an integral part of the Haggadah. That could very well be. That Tayenu is a later edition. It's not an integral part of the Haggadah. The, the original part of the Haggadah that goes back to Chazal is, of course, the part of the Haggadah before the Tayenu. The Tayenu is a later, a later edition. But nevertheless, it doesn't contrast or conflict or negate the Rub's theory. Okay. Now, and if this is the case, and then we're now coming into the heart of today's and I have to say, as far as our being Mahanchem, being Rabbanim, what I'm about to touch upon, I could speak for endless hours. But first, let me handle it the way Rebbe handled it, and then let's put it into context. Well, if this is the case, that Leil Haseda. The whole night of CPC Mitzrayim achieves its ultimate through the study of Torah. That's why we introduce it with a nusach to remind us of Birchat Torah. That's why Baruch Hamakom Baruch Hu Baruch Shenatan Torah LaAmo Yisrael Baruch Shenatan Torah LaAmo Yisrael reminds us of the nusach of the Birchat Torah. Now, obviously, we all know La Halacha when you make the bracha in the morning. That bracha takes care of you till you wake up the next morning uh, or whatever time you wake up because it doesn't necessarily mean the morning. Birchat Torah you have to make if you wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning and you've decided that you're up for the day, then you have to make Birchat Torah again. But uh, 
at night you don't have to make birchat Torah again. You make birchat Torah in the morning. So it's only a remez to remind us of the importance. I can only tell you in parentheses, uh, if you recall your bar mitzvah night, say there you have, there you have a problem. A, uh, a, a, a male Ashkenazi Yusfadi, a female Ashkenaziya, uh, if she wishes, has a problem. What's the problem? You made birchat Torah, for the sake of argument, you daven this morning. You made birchat Torah this morning, bebechinat katan, hachayav bechinuch, not more. It's midin rabbanan. Tonight you become bar mitzvah. That means when you say baruchu, at that moment of sunset, or tzayzakachavim, whatever it is, you are now a bar mitzvah. You are now a bar mitzvah. You are not chay- You are now chayav in Talmud Torah the Oraita. If you're chayav in Talmud Torah the Oraita, we're not yotzei with your morning's brachat. No, did you ever think about this problem? Netanel, what happened at your bar mitzvah? Did this problem dawn upon you? Avi? No, didn't know. Can anyone help me? This is what Rav Chaim used to tell his sons. Yeah, that, that Ahavat Olam, that the halacha is, the Avad, if you didn't say Birchat Torah, you yod say Birchat Torah with Ahavat Rabbah, correct? So Rav Chaim said that if you yod say with Ahavat Rabbah, then you yod say with Ahavat Olam. So we used to tell his sons tonight of their Bar Mitzvah to have Kavana in Ahavat Olam, to be yod say Birchat Torah, so that they can learn Torah at night with the Bracha before it. Okay. But anyway, Leil HaSeder, it's not that we're chayv in Birchat Torah. We said Birchat Torah in the morning, but it's a remez to remind you we're now learning Torah. This is the important part of the night. And since we spoke about the Gedoli Yisrael before, what does it mean, the Gedoli Yisrael? Everything we explained last week, everyone is different. Everyone is different. This is the beauty of Gedoli Yisrael. the beauty of learning, the beauty of the human being, the beauty of any program of study. If all your teachers were the same, it would be a very dull program. Believe me, Rabbi Lichstein is a Gadol Sheba Gedolim. But if all your teachers were like Rabbi Lichstein, it would be dull. You have to have, each one is different. Each one has a different stance, a different strong point. Uh, and this is what learning to, teaching Torah is all about. Now, what about those who have to study Torah? Ah, just as the Gedoli Yisrael, each one in accordance with his abilities, his interests, his uniqueness, the same thing, every student has to try to study in accordance with his abilities. And this is what we spoke about. No two people are blessed with the same abilities. No two people. All of you understand yourselves that uh, genes are involved here. Environment is involved here. Uh, no two people are blessed with the same abilities. But everyone has to use their abilities to their maximum. Now here's where we come to the great challenge. Agreed. Gedoli Israel are different. And each one in accordance. Students are different. But how do you motivate the students? And here's the great responsibility. Parents, or nowadays parents slash teachers, how do you motivate? How do you reach out? What are your obligations? How far does it go? Put it into contemporary terms. Look at all the Jews around us. How do we teach them? And the Baal Haggadah, 
First of all, take the Ben Chacham. How much do you teach him? How to appear from the Haggadah? Whatever he can absorb. A child that is motivated, that is capable, as much as possible. Teach him all the halachat. How does the Baal Haggadah put it? Until you reach... Ein maftirim achah pesach afikomen, and that's indicative all the halachat. Because tonight and so for the afikomen, teach him as much as you can. Don't spare him. He's bright. He's capable. He's hungry. He wants knowledge. They're children like that. When you have a child like that, a student like that, don't hold back. Give him everything. Then that's the chacham. But then you have a tam. Tom is a, a simple person, not a tremendous intellect, not a tremendous IQ. This is where I often have said it, and I say it again and again, people who come from an intellectual kingdom, we have a lot of difficulty understanding simple people. And the older I grow, the more I appreciate Hasidot. Because I understand what Hasidot did. It gave the ability to the simple Jew to fulfill his sanctity. See, we come from a kingdom of intellectualism. A guy can't learn. A fella can't learn. A girl can't learn. Eh, we look down upon them. We tolerate them. And it's true. I remember my marshal. You know, I sometimes come up with what sounds like, uh, uh, I don't want to use the word jokes, but the comical statements. But it's so true. The Lubavitcher Rebbe speaks to, to, I remember standing out of Fabrengen. There are 10,000 people there. In front of the Rebbe, I'm not talking already what's listening via, via closed circuit TV and, and, and via uh, cable TV and, and via t- telephone hookups all over the world. 10,000 people are standing in front of the Rebbe. No one understands him. Most of the people have earphones. They don't understand Yiddish. They have to have translations into English. But that's the Rebbe. That's Hasidus. Can you picture the Rav speaking to 10,000 people, giving a shir? It's impossible. 9,000 would fall asleep. There's a different world. So the Chacham, what's your problem, David? The Rav said to him, everyone there was a London Mufak. That was, was unbelievable. Everyone, Torah Vadas came, Chaim Berlin came, guys from Lakewood came. They colored, covered their faces already by the mid-50s. No one from Lakewood is allowed to be seen in YU. They, they wore scarves over their faces. That's a different story. But everyone was there. Who can't imagine? It was a who's who. It was the, the academic event for, for the Torah Jews, for the Lamdanim. For the, you see, but that, that's the Chacham. The Chacham, that you teach him everything. Hit away. Don't have mercy. The Tom already, you have to deal with him differently. Give him, entertain him, say something he'll catch on to. A kid, that he relates to. You understand? That's the tam. It's a slogan. It's a politician. Politicians. They're politicians. What are politicians? Slogans. Slogans. Bibi's a liar. Bibi's a liar. Ah, it's a slogan. 
There's the politicians. It's all over the world. You can't, uh, I'm not, you can't have a complaint about Israeli politicians. American politicians are the same thing. If you study the history of American elections, ma, ma, where's my pa? In the White House, rah, rah, rah. It's a hundred years ago. Grover Cleveland Alexander, more than a hundred years ago. Fathered a child out of wedlock. So they defeated him. Today he would be a hero. But in those days, America still had a moral society. But that, that's a slogan. A thumb. Wake him up. Shake him. Give him a slogan. They can't, can't teach him all the halachas, all the intricacies. But at least give him that basic commitment. That's a tam. What about a Russia? What about a Russia? What, what does the, the Baal got to say to the Russia? Leave a low low. Tell him off. God, God took me out of Egypt. You rotten Russia, if you were there, you would still be rotting away. God wouldn't have redeemed you. You would have been slaughtered during, during Makat HaKoshech. Tell him off. Hakeyat Shinov. Knock his teeth out. Baal Haggadah. Baal Haggadah or Russia. And you know something? The Gon Taka held. The Krah held. That there's no obligation to teach a Russia Torah. No obligation. If he's a Moraid Torah, uh, if he's an Apikoris, if he's rebellious, no obligation. You just tell him off, leave a low low. You would have remained there. No obligation. And the Gona has a diuk. The Gayan says, look at the Lashon HaTorah. By the Chachim. What does the Pasuk say? The Varim Rav Pasuk Chafalaf. Vincha. Tell your son. Tell your student. Tell your child. Teach him. Tell him. Talk to him. There's a Rebbe, there's a Talmud. There's a father, there's a son. By the Tam, what's the Pasuk? Shmot Yud Gimel, Pasuk Yud Dalad. Talk to him. Teach him. Relate to him. Talk to him. Teach him. Relate to him, acknowledge him, there's a Rebbe, there's a Talmud, there's a father, there's a son, there's a relationship here. When it comes to the Russia, what's the Pasuk? Shmot Yud Bet. Psukim Chafav Chavzayin V'cha Kiyomru Aleichem B'neichem Ma Vodahazot Lachem V'yamatem Zevach Pasach Chula Hashem and the Gons Medayek, it doesn't say, V'yamatam lo, V'yamatam levincha, V'yamatam elav. Follow me, Shlomo, the Gons of Vod, it's a Meridik Vod here. It says, V'yamatam, Stam, Zevech Pesachu. And the Gons says, because of this, you see, that when it's a Russia, let him go fly a kite. Don't teach him. Don't even try. Don't relate to him. Wow. The gone. A diuk. Beautiful diuk. Well, I have to be honest. The Rav said that he didn't feel that the Gon's approach was proper, Bismarck has said. 
And uh, I don't think we have a machlokes here, the Gon and the Rav. I think it's understandable. It takes us back to the Chantam Sofer again. It takes us back to that uh, terrible haunting question of where was Mendelssohn different than Absent Rafal Hirsch? It's a very difficult question. I have to say it was one of the few issues of Jewish Observer that I felt, if you recall, a number of years ago there was an issue which dealt with that problem and I felt it was an honest attempt to deal with the problem. And I think the answer may be, to a certain degree, I don't want to get involved now in Mendelssohn and Hirsch because, again, I have a lot to say in that. It's a very fascinating question. I, I have to repeat it again. Those of you that have studied the writings of Moshe Mendelssohn, they are not that different. The, the, the thrust is not that much different than the thrust of Rav Shem Hirsch. Not much different. There are slight differences, but the, the basic thrust is very similar. Go out and conquer the world. But one must remain a Shomer Torah Mitzvah. But you know, it may be a question of timing. When the Gon lived, the rebellion was first beginning. It could be if a kid robs and steals, you have to smack his face, discipline him. Maybe he'll achieve something. But if everyone's a robber and a thief, then you're not going to achieve anything by smacking your child's face. And there already you have to educate, you have to start from scratch, you have to motivate, you have to attract. It's a much more difficult circumstance in which you find yourself. The Gons, the generation, every Jew was pious. Suddenly along came a Russia, beat the hell out of him, throw him out, get rid of him before he's contagious. Ben Soria Moria, Lo Hayava Lo Nivra, but it's to teach us a concept, the Gemara Sanhedrin. The Rav's generation is like our generation. Some of us in this room were once Rishayim. This year in Midrashit Moria, I have a very, a good number of girls, Balat Shiva. They lived so distant from Yiddishkeit. Some of them come from grandparents who are not even Jews. Goyim. And, and, and what are we going to do? We're going to give up on these people? And not only that, the Russia at the time of the Gon was really a Russia. Today, I don't know if we're real Rishoyim. We're caught up in a world. We're caught up in a psychology. We're caught up in a framework. We're caught up in a Weltanschauung. We're going to give up on all these people. We're going to give up on, 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 on millions of potential Balei Shiva. We'll just push them away from Yiddishkeit altogether. And that's why the Rav felt that you can't give up Rishoyim. And although what the Gon said might, might, might be true, but today we have to make an effort. And here the Rub said something very fascinating. And by the way, this is what I meant with Mendelssohn and Hirsch, that it may very well be that if Hirsch lived at the time of Mendelssohn, Gedoli Israel would look askance at him. Because the minute you opened the light of the ghetto and came out and came into the big light, the Jews were blinded. So although Mendelssohn's intentions may have been the best in the world, but inevitably... They resulted in the blinding of his followers. And all of you know, out of his own children, only three remained Jewish. Out of his grandchildren, I think only one grandchild died a Jew. I mean, it's unbelievable statistics. Then Reb Moshe Mendelssohn was the great-grandson of Reb Moshe Rishlis of the Ramah. 
We're not dealing here with a person without yichus, without learning. You have Chivat Rav Moshe Mendelssohn, Rav Moshe Dessau, as he was called uh, after the city of his birth, from Rav Yaakov Endem in, in the Shilat Yavetz. You'll find Chivat to, to Rav Moshe Dessau. But those were the times. When Rav Yish came along a hundred years later, all he could do was good because the Jews had so completely, totally left the fold that he wanted to show that although you're living in the big world and you're enjoying the big world and you've conquered the big world and you're home at the big world, nevertheless, you must be a Shoma Torah Mitzvah. So you see, it could very well be that the timing is the factor. Just as the Rav in Boston in 1970 is not willing to accept the gone of his concept of the Russia of 1770 in Vilna. It could be the timing's the factor. It's a very fascinating question. And you see, until today, uh, when you look back at Rav Shemshavol Hirsch, you see the difficulty Gedoli Israel had in dealing with him. If you take the classic example, the Birchat Shmuel, I'm familiar with the Birchat Shmuel, Rav Baruch is that your family, uh, Netanel? Rav Baruch Leibovich, the Talmud Muvhak of Rav Chaim from Volashen, yet when you take the Birchat Shmuel to Kedushin, pages 38 to 42, volume 1, Birchat Shmuel to Kedushin, and you see the way he struggles with Rav Shemshavol Hirsch. Remember, you know I'm talking about the famous question that Rabbi, that, that Shimon Schwab asked him. Shimon Schwab had come from Germany to learn in, 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 in East European yeshiva, and I believe he learned in Mir, and he's going back to, uh, to Germany, and his parents want him to go to college. And he turns to a Baruch Berlivowitz, and he asks Baruch Berlivowitz, since I'm a, a son and grandson of German Jews, who all went to university, am I allowed to go to college and study in the traditions of my homeland, the traditions of Rabshin Shafal Hirsch? And you see Rabar Khalibwitz writes, Khaswa Khalila, Bavatai Lohotil Togon, Vitsadik Rabshin Shafal Hirsch, Allahoracha, it wasn't the Dorat, and he takes Rabshin Shafal and takes the whole position and turns it into a Bidiyavad that has no relevancy for you today, thank God that you're a Bentorah. But there's only one problem with that viewpoint. Those of you familiar with Rav Hirsch's writings, Rav Hirsch wrote just the opposite. He wrote, Chas v'chalila, my viewpoint is lachatchila. Who put the Jew in the ghetto? The Jew never wanted to go into the ghetto. The Jew was forced into the ghetto. We're a post-ghettoization. Who took the Jew out of the world? Chas v'chalila, the Jew must live with the blessing of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Yastalokim liyafet. V'yishkom Hashem. You're familiar with Rav Hirsch's writing? This is time after time. You have a tremendous problem. By the way, I have to tell you, I once said this in the Michalat, an Israeli class in the early 70s, and there were girls that had a problem with me, because they were taught, Rabbi Baleva, which says something, you know, it's the first time I was exposed to Das Torah on this level, that if he says it, this is what Rav Hirsch meant, no question about it. I, Rav Hirsch, wrote differently. Oh, it's, it's misprinted, it's misunderstood, it's a mispublication, and they're already, Hayumaisim bin B'nai Brak, when they issued Rav Hirsch's writings, Rav Yichul Yaakov Weinberg's writings, they made a few changes, you understand? They had to conform, they had to make it conform with what they were writing. But it's a very interesting question, and let the issue hang fire for now, but now we'll see something very similar. The gon munach. But the Rav feels we can't accept the gon bisman hasem. And he says, what is a Russia? He says, a Russia today is like a Shainu Yadayalishal. What do we mean by Shainu Yadayalishal? It's very perceptive what the Rav is going to say here. He is very, very interesting, very perceptive. 
You can see the rabbinage, you can see the influence of America on him. He was out in the streets. What is Yudayna Daily Show? So, on, on, is your first name, what's your first name, Shlomo? Gershon, one second, let me, if you're going to, are you coming regularly now? You're finished with basic training? No, I understand, but I want to learn your name. Gershon Statmauer. I have a klal of a student comes to learn Torah with me. Yes, tell me, tell me, tell me, da. I try to learn the name. Gershon. Um, so, you know, at first, at, at a first reaction is Gershon. What, what, what is a Shinu Deilisho? Uh, limited intelligence. There are kids. I've taught many, many years now, many decades. And I didn't always teach, you know, only bright kids. I remember Mahon Gold, I used to have certain things to be uni- What's the difference? There uni classes, Yatat classes. So over the years, I saw I had certain students, BMT, nice kids, simple, not intellects. That was not their bag of tea. So you might think at first reaction, it means it, it means someone, you know, limited intelligence. No, absolutely not. The Yerushalmi has a girsa that the Tom is a tipesh. Not the Shedan English show. Look into Yerushalmi. Yerushalmi Psachim. Tenth Perak. Halacha Dalad. If you had the Ribbaz edition, it is Daf Ayin Amid Betan, the Ribbaz edition. Psachim Yud Halacha Dalad. Tani Rebchia. Keneged Abar Banim Divratora. Ben Chacham. Ben Rasha. Ben Tipesh. Ben She'enu Yodaya Lishal. Wow. So you see, the kid of limited intelligence is the Tom. The Tom is the Tom. Like you say in Yiddish, a Tamavata. Do you fellows know that expression? A Tamavata. That was the expression if the Rebbe got angry at you and, and yelled at you and you didn't understand, you were hit over the head. In when I learned in, in, in YU, everyone spoke, that was at the Yiddish era, Tamavata. Tamavata. You got hit over the head. That's a Tom. Limited intelligence. Uh, it's not so. So Ashenia Deilishol is not a Tom already. He has intelligence. So what is he? What's the difference between him and a Chacham and a Russia? So the Reb explains so beautifully. You know what? You know what Ashenia Deilishol is. It's the average human being on the street. It's just of no interest to him. This is the way Jews are. It's the way we are in modern times. It's just of no interest. You take the average Jew. Thank God today. It's a big world out. Hey, life is moving on. He's running around. The, the paper chase, the money chase. He's involved. He has television. He has an outlet. You know, he looks, he goes to, to, to shul, goes to synagogue, goes to temple a few times a year. He just has no interest. In the state of Israel, this certainly is the case. Because here you feel like a Jew, you act like a Jew, you eat like a Jew, you take commands like a Jew, you speak Hebrew, your whole existence here, you light Hanukkah candles. Everyone wears a costume on Purim. Ninety-nine percent of the people have a seder. 
He has no interest. He looks, he looks, he looks upon, oh, you, you know, you're a fanatic. What do you need it for? It's just, it doesn't speak to him. It's not in his ballpark. He's, there's a beautiful Hebrew word. He's adish. Adish. I don't know. Don't know how to say that in, in English. Adish. It's just, it's diffident, hesitant, uninterested. Doesn't speak to him. Doesn't pull him. That's a Shedeni Lashon. The Russia is exactly the same, except he's a step more removed. You see, a Russia already is not just that it's not of interest to him, that he's indifferent about it, that he shehua dishlazer. A Russia already is, this is Western democracy. He already has theories. And I've said this more than once. Yes, he's serid, and understand me clearly. See, Shulam alone he has a pathological congenital hatred of Yiddishkeit. Whatever it is, they say her father wore a kippah. People swear to me they knew yet her father. I heard this years ago and he said about her already at the age of 16, she had a big mouth and had no respect for her parents. All right, that's a different story. Yassi Sarit and his ilk, uh, uh, it's, not, it's not that they, uh, that they uh, are a shayim. Not that, no, they're a shayim. They, they reach the same level. They're caught up already. Western democracy, freedom of choice, their Western values totally overweigh any semblance of what remains of a Jewish value. And that's the way I would interpret. The Rev didn't go into the, to this fine difference. He just put the Russia and Shenede Elishal almost in the same category. But I, this is in parentheses, I would define it, Shenede Elishal is the average Joe Schmo on the streets. Leave me alone. What do I need it for? That's for Hasidim. People with payers, people in black, people with Biki Putz through God. I'm happy. I'm satisfied. I'm alive. I'm not a bad person. What do you want out of me? That's the Shenadei Elishal. Russia already puts it into a philosophical context. And let me tell you something. We today in the year 1999-2000 have Rishoyim who are Shomatora Mitzvot. You see, because... By living in two cultures, ultimately, you struggle. What's your real culture? What's your real commitment? And when Western values overtake Torah values, you've moved into the category of a Russia. And that's what exactly what I called it from Yitz Greenberg before. And you have to have Korea to read those words. There's a guy, Lubetsky, Professor Lubetsky. I never met the guy in my life. I don't want to meet him. But... But this guy's a Chavek Nesed, he's a Frum guy, lives in Efrat, the man is mamish, totally ignorant of any concept of Yiddishkeit. His Yiddishkeit him is a Protestant Yiddishkeit. It's, it's a Western Yiddishkeit, it's an individual Yiddishkeit. How dare you interfere with anyone else? Why can't we recognize reform, conservative? I don't know where the guy's coming from, I don't know where the guy grew up, but it's very frightening. This is Avram Burg. Burg today is a little bit quieter. But Avram Burg, I know where he grew up. And that is, Mamish, where the Western world knocks out the Torah world. That's Rishra. That's the way I would define it. The Rev didn't define it. It would leave the, you know, you have a very good question here. Rebbe, what's the difference then between a Shandani, a Lishol, and a Russia? So you could say it's a degree of nonconformity. That a Shandani, a Lishol is just indifferent. Leave me alone, my lawyer, I'm a doctor, I'm a dentist, I'm busy, I'm making money, I go to the temple once, twice a year, I live in Israel, I light Hanukkah candles, I observe Purim. What do you want out of me? Religion is for fanatics, it's not for me. 
And the Russia, you would say, already has hatred. I'm doing it differently. I would answer it differently. The Russia, it's not the hatred. No, it's not hatred at all. Shlomoloni has hatred. With her, maybe the Vilnagon is right. No matter what you do, you can't win. Don't waste time with Shalom Adaloni. It's not worthwhile. She's the only cover, only member of the Knesset when I, I wrote a letter to her and I never got an answer. I mean, she's so stupid. Answer me. I asked her a certain question. It was a, all she had to do was answer me. No, she thought it had to deal with religion. Didn't answer the question. What does she care? She's not going to get my vote anyway. It's not like America where a politician cares about his image and will answer any question he gets. That's what he has staffs for. She never answered me. She's a Russia. Forget about it. The goal's right. But the Rav is referring to what I call the contemporary Russia, where the influence, it's not just indifference. Here already Al Pishita, what are you bothering me for? So I'm not Shama Shabbos, and I'm not Makpin and Kashat. I have freedom of choice. I have pluralism. This is a Western world. You have no right to force me. You have no right to coerce. This is the difference, in my opinion. Ah, and if this is the case, then we have the greatest challenge in the world. How do you get them interested? So here, of course, you have the difference. The Shadeya ain't a lishal, you have to attract them. Make it dynamic. Wake him up. Excite him. He's a kid. He's not. He's not. Doesn't mean any harm. But he's so busy with his high school, with his college, with with his yoridea. He's so involved with so many different things. He has no time to really study Torah. Wake him up. Bring him to 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 love Yiddishkeit. Show him how much it's like it. A rush already. Hakayetchinav. You got to battle him. Go to go into theology. You believe in pluralism. Pluralism is the total destruction of the continuity of the Jewish people. Do you know what Reformed Judaism is? Do you know what Conservative Judaism is? Do you know what, how many assume they have been matir? Do you know intermarriage, homosexual couples? Hit him, This is the difference. This is the way we have to approach it. This is the Rav. This is the way he understands the Haggadah. Beautiful. Beautiful. So if this is the case, we may not have a machlokus between the Vilna Gon and the Rav. It's just a question of timing. The Gon's vote is a very powerful vote. It's a diuk in the psukim. According to the Gon, ain't hachinami. We have to teach a chacham, a tamish, and a deulishal. According to the Rav, at least bisman hazeh, we have to teach a Russia as well. What is a Shaden Elishal? It's not a Tipesh. According to the Yushami, the Tam is the Tipesh. And a Shadeni Yodeh Elishal is just uninterested and a Russia is less interested. Then our Rakefet came and put it into contemporary terms. And I think my definition, I think Rebbe would kiss me and agree with me. It's right on if you know the rough thinking. The average Joe Blow, Joe Schmo, the average Plony Almoni, he's just not interested. Life is filled with enough excitement, enough achievement. Leave me alone. Who can put on filling every morning? Who can go daven three times a day? Who has to be so makpid and kashred? I only buy kosher. So whatever, I have one set of dishes, etc., etc., etc. A rush already is ideology. This already is pluralism. This already is the Western world. This already uh, is the Supreme Court of Israel. This already, and that. How do you relate to them? Beautiful. 
Turn him on, excite him, thrill him with the romance of Torah and Judaism. The Russia Where are you leading us? What's going to happen to us? Look at the statistics. What's happened in America? Show me someone in America, a reformed Jew, five generations later. Powerful. Okay. Then the Rav goes further. And this is, um, you'll see, this uh, this is uh, powerful, powerful, powerful as far as uh, living in Eretz Yisrael. Then we go further. The, the Baal Haggadah continues. We talk about the Sipir Tzitz Mitzrayim. Yachol Merosh Chodesh Talmud Lomer Bayom Hahu. The Pasuk in Shemot Yud Gimel, Pasuk Chet. What does it mean? What does it mean? Of course, all year you have a Chiv of Talmud Torah. Talmud Torah is constant. But Leil HaSeda, you have a special Chiv of Talmud Torah. Talmud Torah of Sipur Yitziat Mitzrayim. Bayom Hahu. And it has to be a tremendous sequel of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. As we said before, not just recounting it, not just studying it, but reliving it and understanding it. And the Nisim, Vineflot, and everything HaKadosh Baruch Hu did for us, the Thanksgiving, the Vidui Bikurim. However, it's not just in the past. What does the Baal Haggadah say? It's ongoing. It repeats itself. We have to constantly struggle. And we have to constantly evaluate what our position should be, how to survive, how to defeat the world that is out to annihilate the Jew. It's not just the past, it's behold of Adar. And here the Rav cited the Dashanim. I'll give you sources in a minute. The sources here are endless. Come back to the story that we spoke about last week. Very interesting. Where did this take place? Took place in B'nai Brak. Rabbi Akiva. Who is Rabbi Akiva? Rabbi Akiva. You're dealing here with the tremendous rebellion against the Romans. Bakochba. Wow. Very esoteric passage. Are you besum of B'nai Brak? What's happening here? And the Rav cited the Dashanim. A crucial decision had to be made that night. Do we rebel? Or don't we rebel? Do we take arms into our hands? Do we fight? Or are we submissive? Now what happened that night... This meant that in every generation our enemies want to defeat us, want to destroy us, want to wipe us out, take us off the map. And we constantly face that challenge. How do we react? What do we do? And the Gedoli Israel have to make 
tremendous far-reaching decisions of life and death. And what happened that night was a military discussion. And the students came in, the decision was made, the rebellion began. There was a Rav in the Bronx, Rav Rafal Mordechai Barashansky. Name in anything to you? Anyone here from Tinek? There's a Lenny Barashansky who lives in Tinek. He's a year older than I am. He was the grandson of Rav Mordechai Barashansky. Rav Mordechai Barashansky, it was a time in America, a very sad time. Great, great Talmud Chacham. Go on, dear. Wound up in the rabbinate. The rabbinate in America, for those type of rabbis who didn't speak English and half their panasar, two-thirds of panasar was half sherim, very sad time. He left, after he died, a sefer that his children published. On page 95, on this very passage, he explains exactly what we said that it was the tremendous question, do you rebel or don't you rebel? And the Rabbanim were arguing, didn't know what to do, and he learns Pshat, that the Tamidim came in and they said, Rabbeinu, the night time is over, we've suffered enough. Let us fight. Let us light up the morning. Beautiful thought. That's what the rubber is citing here. It's the same thought. These thoughts were very popular in the 19th into the 20th century. You can understand why. The Zionist movement, the Chovevet Zion, Chibat Zion, Beit Yaakov, Lechuvenecho, the Mizrahi, the Birnbaum Haggadah, Page 23, it has been suggested that Rabbi Akiva's older colleagues, three of whom had been his teachers, came to Menei Brak to discuss with him the preparations for the revolt of Bar Kokhba against Roman tyranny. This took place during all that memorable night, Kolo Tohalayla, under the guise of an exhausted account of the historic exodus from Egypt. What a... What... What a dashanut here. What homiletics, what insight, what application. Wow. Now the rough continues. And here I come, I'm going to begin my public talk in Miami Beach with the following story. Every syllable is true. Jack, this is it. This is the place where this happens to me. The year was 19... I have to watch the clock... Uh, uh, it's 1968. Malker and I and our two eldest daughters had just visited Israel for the first time in 1968. Thanks to Mr. Griss, was a Rosh Hashiv in YU, to teach for YU, you paid garbage. Nothing has changed until today. It's the, I understand it's the same problems. I thought only I have problems. It doesn't matter. Overnight, the Rebetzin was dying Mr. Griss went to see the Rebetzin on her deathbed. Mr. Griss felt very in debt to the Rebetzin. There's a reason why I can't go into it now, but you can ask me some other time. And he said, Rebetzin, what, and this is how I got this building for 
Torah. This building today would be occupied by David Yellen Teachers College. Mr. Kolak already got the building from Mr. Gross. It was about to be signed. And at the last moment, I was pulled out of my house. I spoke with Mr. Gross. Someday I'll tell you the whole conversation, but part of it is what I want to tell you now. So Mr. Gris went to visit Rebetzin and said, Rebetzin, what can I do for you to make you happy? And she was dying of, of Hodgkin's, I believe it was, Lowellano. And the Rebetzin answered Mr. Gris on her deathbed, Mr. Gris, the Rosh Yeshiva and why you were underpaid. Mr. Gris made his first one million, one million dollar contribution, payable over eight years, $125,000 a year, and he put a pin into the money. And he told Dr. Belkin this money is being given in honor of Rebetzin Tanya Soloveitchik. Every year, the Rosh Yeshiva salary should be increased by 125000 for all the Rosh Yeshiva. They figured out how many people teach Gemara full-time. It was a Shiloh. Who's a Rosh Yeshiva? Without someone teaching in, 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 a, in, in a different program. So it was decided anyone teaching Gemara full-time qualifies as a Rosh Yeshiva. Overnight, and it was divided, 125 divided by many faculty. Overnight, my faculty, my salary doubled. Came and Ali came to visit Israel the first time, RCA2 in 1968. And Malcolm and I vowed we'd settle within the year. And we were zoichet to come back ten and a half months later. So I knew I was leaving. The only person I told I was leaving, this was my last year in America, I told the dean of the yeshiva, Rabbi Abraman, who had succeeded Ms. Abrams, who was running the yeshiva. Of course, Ruby was a real friend and had lived in Israel, was going back to Israel, so I confided in him. In the rabbin, I didn't want to tell anyone because a lame duck rabbi is a powerless figure. 1968, Hanukkah time, we have a reception for Lakewood in the greater Essex County area and Reb Shnur Kutler comes to Rosh Hashiv of Lakewood and I always would turn out to help raise funds for Lakewood because I'd learned in Lakewood when I felt the loyalty, a certain loyalty to Lakewood. Obviously, not like I feel to IU, but nevertheless. So I was honored to speak I get up and I know I'm going in Aliyah and I cite a Gemara that the Rebbe will cite in a few minutes and uh, I developed the idea that in every generation a Jew has to do what he can if not God will not find us worthy and in every generation Mashiach can come and I'm developing this from the Gemara on my own and in our generation the, what God wants out of us is Aliyah I use tremendous talk it's after the Sixth Day War 68 and, uh, and I Bring it down to Lakewood too, that we have to teach Torah so that people will be inspired and know they have to go on Aliyah. Hi, Rav Shnur Kutler gets up and he had a real quandary. To take me on in public he didn't want because he's not a fool like what happened last week and he would lose money because he had to raise money and yet to let me off the hook is no good too because it's a siman he would agree with me. So from the corner of his eye he gets up to speak and I already... I, I, I say it humbly, but I already had. Uh, you can ask Harvey Douglin of the Renaissance. He used to come as a teenager to hear me speak. I already had a large following. I was the rabbi at Maplewood South Orange, and I used to debate with the Reform and Conservative and wipe the, you know, wipe the dust with them. Had a whole following, and I can handle myself. So Rav Schnur gets up, and I always spoke, never spoke jokes. Always, there's always a mime chazal. Like you heard me the other week. You understand? I got. You always know, have to say something content. I learned that from my rabbi. So. Rav Shnur looks at me from the corner of his eye and says, Rav Rotkov, 
We have to work hard to learn Pshat in that Gemara. And that's where it ended. And I understood. I went over to Mertus. I laughed. I said, Chafashtanas, the Lakewood Rosh Yeshiva is Nishmaskim with me in Gansan. You know, I said, you know, we were good friends. When I learned the Lakewood, it was a Ben Bynum of Shnur's house. I loved his wife, him. They're wonderful, wonderful people. And I mean, at that time, we, our relationship was, he was so open and so, uh, so he left. We both left. Years later, I hear this tape. And oh, as I died, I first got this tape in the mid-80s. Reb Shnur was dead already. I wasn't even, I was up in Beirut. He died and was buried in Israel. Mamish during the Lebanese war. I was, my unit was on the Beirut-Damascus Highway, the Davis funeral. So I went bananas. The Rav said what I said in, in Irvington, New Jersey, word by word. And I went berserk. I said, oh, if only I could reach the Rosh Yeshiva now of Lakewood and tell him, Rabbi Shnur, my Rebbe and your Rebbe. He learned by the Rav too. When he came back from, from Risa Zomer, Baron Sendland learned by the Rav. And he used to come in every, every two, twice a week to YU in the 50s, in the early 50s, learned with the Rav. He was, so I, I, I don't have time now. He told me his impressions. Very fascinating. So I wanted Rav Shnur, the Rav. Just what I said, word by word. He said, Rafratkov, I got you. I'm on exactly the Rav, Baruch Shekivanti. Let's go further now. So the Rav is now in homiletics. He's dashing. He's, wow, he's a, he's a Zionist. He's a general. He's fighting battles. The students are sitting. What a way. The whole night. In the nighttime. Bring the morning. Bring the redemption. And the Rav said, who is Bakochva? Who was Bakochva? The truth was, there was a tremendous machloket. Was he legitimate? Wasn't he legitimate? Rabbi Akiva felt he was legitimate. The other <laughs> Yushalmi, I'm now quoting the famous Yushalmi, Tanit, Perik Dalit, Subdivision Chet, Halacha Chet, again, uh, in the one volume edition, fourth column, Amud Dalit. Ah, Kwan Yusham, Tani Rabshim Ban Yochai, Akiva Rebbe Hayadoresh, Dorach Kochav Miyakov, Dorach Kochava, Miyakov, Bakochva. Rabbi Akiva Kat Havichami, when he saw Bakochva, Yaoma, Gain Hu Malka de Mishichata. This is Mashiach. This is Mashiach. Rabbi Akiva. Your cheeks, grass will grow on your cheeks. And Ben David will not be here. Wow. What a machloket. Rabbi Akiva calls him Melech Mashiach. He's our Nawishir Chabad Chassid and Balei Chiva who called the Rebbe Mashiach. This is Rabbi Akiva. And Rabbi Yochanan rips the hell out of him. Who was right? And the Rebbe said they were both right. You know what Rabbi Akiva was saying? That in every generation there is a person eligible to be Mashiach Sitkeno. The person is there. The people have to be worthy. Rabbi Akiva felt, this is the man, if the people will only be worthy. Bakochva. Dain who? This is the man. This is Mashiach. This is our Redeemer. 
This is the Melech HaMashiach. This is where it's going to end. And Malchut Yisrael will start once again in glory. Rabbi Akiva did not make a mistake. Generation was not worth it. Oh, and now you'll see the rough. Now you'll see why little Annie Rothkopf in 68 only quoted a Gemara, which we'll get to later. But what the Rav did, oh my gosh, he banged on the table with an iron hammer. He said, you want me to prove to you that Bakofu was right? That in every generation there can be a Mashiach? He said, the Rambam, Paskins, like Bakofu. Hilchataniyot. Perikei, Halachi Gimel. When the Rambam talks about why we fast. V'tisha ba'av chamisha devar mirubo. And one of them was Vanilkata Yirgadola Betashmo, Vahayubala Fimuravatma Yisrael, Vahayalahem Molech Gadol, Vidimu Kal Yisrael Gadolayacham Shuku, Hamelecham Mashiach, Venafal Biyad Goyim, Venergu Kulam Vayatat Saragadolah Kamochubana Mikash. Look what the Rambam is saying. He refers to Bakochba as a Melech. He is telling us, this is the Rambam. Shehu Melech HaMashiach. Melech Gadol. This man could have been. He had the ability. He doesn't refer to him just as plain Bakochva, as a plain leader. HaMelech. You think it's by accident? Hilchet Melachim, Perikud Aleph, Halachi Gimel. The very famous Rambam, Vayalel Daitcha Shemcham Melech Hamashir Tzarich Latzot Ototem Opsim Ein Hadavakein Shaharei Rabbi Akiva Chacham Godol Meichach Mei Yisrael Vohu Hayano Sei Kelev Ktelev Shel Ben Kochba Hamelech. What he had to say is Ba Kochba, Ba Kochba. Wow. Here it is. That's a very, by the way, it's a very important Ramam. This is, uh, when I came in Aliyah, I have to tell you, one of my great shocks to the reality of Israel, I never dreamt what would happen in Lubavitch in the 80s, but I remember in, in uh, Michala, there was a very famous teacher, Rav Shlomo uh, Minhaha. He should live and be well. He's not a well man. He's an old, old man. He was the Rav of Bayit Vagan for many, many years. He's from an old Yerushalmi family. He was captured by the Jordanians in Muhammad HaShikhra. So Rav Minhaha showed the girls. It has to be 71. He read the Rambam to the girls. This Rambam... This Rambam, others right there, and he said, if Moshe Dayan would be Shoma Torah Mitzvah, he would be Melech HaMashiach. Moshe Dayan, you read the Rambam, check out the Rambam there. The victories, the battle, not to do miracles. Melech HaMashiach. Now, how do we know the Rambam's right? Where did the Rambam get this from? Where did Rabbi Akiva get it from? And then I went up to heaven. I danced around the tape recorder. I kissed the tape. Jack, I hope you straightened out your wife why I don't keep my own tapes in the house. You better straighten her out mighty quickly so that I don't have a problem. Then I danced around the tape recorder. 
And there was the Rav quoting our Rekhafet. If only I could pull time together, I went berserk. The exact Gemara I quoted in 68 that Rav Shnur Katla said, when Davkut learned in Pshat, the Rav learned Pshat exactly the way I did. The Gemara in Sanhedrin, Davtsad Didalid Omnir Aleph. I am fighting time. God did miracles. He defeated this tremendous army. Remember Nach? They surrounded all of Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim Harim Savivla. Whoever controls the hills controls Yerushalayim. Totally surrounded. And overnight the enemy is wiped out. And Chizkiyo was such a pious king. Such miracles. Make him Melech HaMashiach. Kaddish Baruch Hu noticed, not HaMakam here. Everything we spoke about an hour ago. HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Everything is light, beautiful, understandable, crystal clear. Make him Melech HaMashiach. End it all. This is the moment of eschatological achievement. The ultimate moment. He's the Melech HaMashiach. We'll never go into Galas again. what a Gemara. Mida Hadin said, his Kiyahu didn't say Shira. He's not worthy enough. The generation didn't say Shira. The generation didn't learn from David HaMelech. They failed. You did all these miracles. They didn't know how to express thanksgiving. And the Rav said, Vas is Gendungen from the Gemara. What do we learn out of here? Very simple, the Rav said. In every generation, there is a Jew who's worthy to be Mashiach. The generation has to be worthy. His Kiyahu could have been Mashiach. But the generation didn't say Shira. It lost the great opportunity. Bakochva could have been Mashiach. The generation wasn't worthy. He was killed by Vernot Hadar. In every generation, behold the Vadar. Bar-Kochva didn't make a mistake. Rabbi Akiva didn't make a mistake. Ein Hachinami, that's the Pshat and the Haggadah. They were up all night debating, should they rebel, shouldn't they rebel, do they have a chance, don't they have a chance. Bechol Vadar, Omdim Aleinu Lakalotainu. Now, let me just end parentheses. In 1968, what I built my dresser upon was that Amra Midat Hadin Lefnei Kaddish Baruch Hu, that Fiskiyo's generation didn't know how to say Shira, and our generation has to respond with an outpouring of Aliyah Lalotat Saberina to show Kaddish Baruch Hu we know how to say Shira and to bring about Melech HaMashiach. And that's the way I touched up the Gemara, exactly like the Rav, 1,000%. This is it. This is it. 
Aye, give me, give me, give me another five minutes. Let me just stand. I must stand. And yes, Maisa Ibn Brak. It was Gedoli Israel. Critical issues. In every generation, for 1900 years of Gola, Chachma Yisrael had to confront these issues. Can we rebel? Can't we rebel? What do we do about our redemption? What do we do about bringing Mashiach? Who's worthy of bringing Mashiach? In every generation, behold, we had to relive the Yitzhiyat Mitzrayim, and once we relive the story of C.P. Yitzhiyat Mitzrayim, everything is included in it. Matan Torah, the uniqueness of the Jewish people, the choice of the Jewish people, Yisrael, but ultimately we must come to Geulat Yisrael. We must come to our future. And the Gedoli Yisrael, the Chachma Yisrael, kept alive this feeling, kept alive this vision, kept alive this wish throughout so many centuries of torture and persecution and tears and they never allowed the darkness of the long nights of the Gola to interfere with this vision. And as difficult as the moments were, time and again they spoke about that great moment of redemption in Tul. Their students came and they told them, Rabbeim, the redemption has come. At times it proved an illusion because of the difficulties and the shortcomings of the generation, but there will yet be that glorious moment when the students will truly come and really be able to herald the message, The night of Pesach is a long night of the study of Torah. Throughout our entire diaspora, it was an even longer, continuous night of the study of Torah. There was hest upon him. Why did it happen, happen to the Jews? Why did we have to suffer so much? Al kritat habrit, al eretz kanan, and al kritat habrit of matan Torah. This is why we have to use the language of hamakam. Baruch hamakam, baruch hu, baruch shenatan Torah l'amo Yisrael. The basis of Yiddishkeit is the study of Torah and therefore on the Seder night when we acknowledge where we are, who we are, where we're going, the focal point of Seder night has to be teaching the four sons. Every son, Chacham and even the Russia, has a share in the Torah. And this is the way we have to continue with the Lima Torah, with the story of B'nai Brak. It must serve as a guiding point for us, a lodestar. It has to lead us into that great and glorious moment when the students will finally come and without contradiction they will exclaim and will declare, Rabbeinu, Higiyo, Zman, Kriyachma, Shalshachret. And at that moment, will be privileged v'nochal sham min azvachim u'min apsachim ashe yagiyah damam al kiyah mispechachach al ratzon v'nodalacha shir chadash al gulatenu v'al pedut nafshenu Okay. Adkan. Ayin, your question.
well, let's put it this way. If Chizkiyahu forgot to say Shia, it's because the generation didn't remind him. But uh, it's a combination. Let's see the words of the Gemara. One second. Besides, it doesn't matter. Chizkiyahu wasn't worthy. And the Melch, you say that, that he was found lacking. Okay, but it doesn't, uh, you can touch it up your way too, that the fault was with him, not with the generation. Either way, it doesn't matter. The concept and the message is the same. But what's amazing about that generation, that's the generation, Shabbat Kumi Donavad Be'sheva, Velomatsu Ishvi Tinot Vitinoket, that weren't totally conversant, Afilu Bidine Tumavatara. That's an amazing achievement of Talmud Torah. Now, you know what else is amazing? It's men and women. The Gemara does not differentiate between men and women. It's a very powerful Gemara. It's the same sugya, same sugya. So it's an amazing generation, but nevertheless, the generation and/or the uh, potential Melech Hamashiach ultimately were found lacking. But it's a powerful, powerful concept. And they know uh, that. That's why when the Chabadnikim say that the Rebbe could have been Mashiach, I have no objection to it. Because there's no doubt in my mind that if you take an individual who is heads and shoulders above everyone else as far as a spiritual leader that reached out to millions of Jews and ultimately hundreds of millions of human beings who walked the face of the earth, was the Lubavitcher Rebbe. But if you say the Lubavitcher Rebbe is Mashiach Zedkenu, there I have a lot of problems. Okay, and that's, that's the way you understand it. And on this level, I'm not any brighter but also not any stupider than the Rav, Baruch Hashem. Okay, the Rav's proof from the Rambam and Hilchot Malachim and Hilchot Taniyad, very powerful. Melech, he was medayik, that the Rambam goes out of his way when he refers to Bakolchva to use Melech. And there was no need to. He could refer to him by name. What does he need? The Melech HaMashiach, HaMelech. And twice, when that, that's the two times the Rambam refers to Bakolchva in the Mishnah Torah, and twice you have HaMelech. Okay, so to reiterate... We finished up the drusha. The, as I said, the original drusha was given uh, in 1972, the early 70s. I only got this tape at a certain point in the very early 80s. Uh, why I got the tape so late? Uh, because sometimes what was happening was from America, we were getting what we called the specials. That was the word that was used. The specials were the Rebs public talks. When it came to uh, Maria... We got occasionally tapes. So what we would do, we would ask him anything on Pesach, anything on this, and, and, and ultimately we started getting more and more on, uh, on, on, spe- on, on specials within Maria, and then we started getting Mamish the Blatchirim for Maria. The Rav taught over the years, he taught Maria Brachat, Megillah, Tainit, and Sukkah. Those were the former Sechta he taught. It took him about... Uh, 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 almost, thir- I, would, I would say it took him 25 years to teach those for Masechet at Maria. He started Sanhedrin, but that was at the very tail end. He didn't get very far. He couldn't continue. It was the early 80s, and simply physically, he was incapable already of uh, going into the yeshiva from Boston then going down to Maria at night. It became impossible. The yeshiva gained from it because what happened was in place of the Shiat Maria, uh, Tuesday night or Wednesday night, what happened was in the early 80s, 80, 81, the Rav, when he finished 
when he couldn't physically no longer say the Shirt Maria, he said a Shumishir, a Hashkafishir at the Yeshiva. And all those tapes floating around are from 80 and 81, which took the place of Maria, but by 82 already, he was physically incapable of even doing that. And those Hashkafishim are very fascinating, although Chaval is from a very late period of his life, and if we could ever get the tapes, and they do exist from the same Sheurim uh, in uh, in um, in what do you call it, in Boston, you would have it at an earlier period of the Rav's life, it probably would be much more enthralling. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Lorraine, do me a favor. Uh, fax back that um, I'll be home. I'll be home between 12.30 to 1.30. He should call me, okay? It's yeah. very important. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, so to reiterate, we finished out this year from 1972. Today was a very powerful year. I'd say the most important part of the year uh, was, of course, the difference between the Russia of the Vilnagon and the Russia of the Rav. Again, I said something in parentheses, which I'm sure Rebbe would agree with me. Um, I don't want to say that. You see, my parentheses enabled me to say that the Rav doesn't disagree with the Vilnagon. All the Rav is doing is we're relating to a different Russia. The Russia at the time of 1770 was not the Russia of 1970 in Boston or in New York. Uh, but it's powerful. And how to handle it and how to do it, and there's endless passion here, endless material. At the end, the Rav really went into homiletics with the uh, B'nai Brak situation. And it's very moving, very enthralling, and very inspiring as, as, as we who are Zionists, we who are activists, because the Rav encouraged us to be activists, and this is a beautiful drasha where you have it. For me, on a personal level, uh, I cannot tell you how much I gained from this drasha and how good I felt when uh, there is Rebbe touching up that Gemara exactly why I touched it in 68. Of course, it's dashanut, but nevertheless, the Rav's proof from the Rambam is overwhelming, and there's only one way to explain it, Bechol Davada. I wonder if the Labavitcher Rebbe has said the same word. It would seem to me, with all that they've said on Mashiach, I have a feeling you could probably find the same thing in the Labavitcher, because the Rebbe was conversant with every single uh, word in the Rambam, and he probably saw that Diak as well. I would imagine, if anyone sees Labavitcher, you can check it out. And... Uh, this is the way the Rav put the Haggadah together. This is Hamakam, and this is Halavai. We should be Zeichav and Nachoshem and Apsachim in the Beit Hamigdash, Be'ezrat Hashem Bekarov. Now, in, uh, when I pick up after three, in other words, Shir will pick up again Be'ezrat Hashem Yitbarach three weeks from today. I missed the week after this. I missed the week after that. I returned to Israel Be'ezrat Hashem January 21st which is a Thursday, I start teaching that Sunday and Monday again. I will pick up then with another shear on Pesach, a reconstruction of the 1977 uh, uh, public talk on Pesach, the Tanya Salavechik, which has been written up many times, but I have the shear in its original form with more information than the way it's been written up, and I also have some a fascinating anecdote around that shear, which involves someone from the Wayukolal and the Rav, and it's a very, very informative and fascinating. Okay, uh, and Be'ezrat Hashem on Sunday, we pick up Avad Zichro, which are major, major lectures. Jack, you can change tapes, and I'm ready to roll.